0: Homeless Link is the national membership charity for frontline homelessness services. We work to improve services through research, guidance and learning, and campaign for policy change that will ensure everyone has a place to call home and the support they need to keep it. In this podcast, we will explore how services and individuals can improve the way they work and support people who are experiencing or have experienced homelessness. In each episode, we will speak to a guest who will tell us about their work and the lessons they've learned along the way. We hope you enjoy it. joe hi lauren thanks for agreeing to be part of this first ever episode of the homeless link practice podcast in which i will try and not use the word practice too many times <laughs> um firstly do you want to introduce yourself
1: yeah hi um so i'm joe Prestige. i'm the head of national practice development at homeless link we used to be called the innovation and good practice team or igp um and uh the national practice development team um, comprises of a number of project managers who each oversee a different area of practice development within the sector. So um, you can talk about your role in a minute, um, but we've got kind of someone focusing on women's homelessness, housing first, strengths based practice, um, and we also produce a lot of kind of the resources and toolkits that people can find on the Homeless Link website.
0: Thanks Uh, and my name is Lauren. I sit on the National Practice Development Team doing our youth homelessness work and we've created this podcast to bring practice approaches to the sector in a different format so this is all new we're trying things out and we hope you enjoy the sessions that we've recorded. So. Throughout these sessions we're going to be focused on either positive or relationship-based approaches and this first episode we're just going to put those into a bit of context and we've developed this work, this podcast, uh, after producing various bits of written guidance which you can find on our website but we thought it would be a good idea to explore some of those in depth. So to start off, Jo, can you tell us what positive or relationship-based approaches mean to you in terms of practice?
1: Yeah, so I think um, the sector's been on a bit of a journey over the last kind of probably nearly 10 years now, um, but particularly in the last six or seven, um, where we've not just thought about what we're doing or what we're trying to achieve, but how we do it. Um, And so services are kind of thinking more um, intentionally about the ethoses and and the approaches that they are using to underpin the way that they provide support. Um, And so we started to kind of share and promote different things that we were learning about, such as psychologically informed environments, trauma-informed care, more recently, strengths-based practice. Um, And these sit along those kind of other evidence made models like motivational interviewing Um, but they are they're all there to kind of underpin and provide some kind of framework in how the service is being delivered Um, and we didn't really know what to kind of call them as an umbrella term so at some point we came up with this term positive approaches but I don't really feel that's the best best term so answers on a postcard for anyone that's listening um but what they what they focus on is putting the relationship between the staff and the clients at the heart of the way the service is delivered and really thinking about that individual in terms of their um their well-being, their psychology, and what their aspirations and goals for the future are. So these approaches don't try to fix someone, um, they try to um, think about uh, why that person might have ended up in in homelessness or in other types of services, um, and to use that that frame to respond to their needs but also think about their future and who they are and what
0: their kind of strengths and assets are. Great, thank you. So to give us a bit of a grounding, one of the things you were just speaking about was well-being. And I think this is quite a broad uh, framing uh, of our psychology. And I we're going to ask all our guests what well-being means to them. So I was wondering if you could start by saying what well-being does mean to you. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I think for me, generally,
1: it's about people leading or working towards the goals that they want in their life and the lives that they want to to live and that they feel well. Um, they feel well physically and, and mentally And I I think in terms of kind of people who are experiencing homelessness and accessing homelessness services, I think probably leading lives that aren't kind of defined or underpinned by anxiety and low mood and that they've got the kind of headspace to think about, they they feel safe and they want to move forward. Um, And I think a lot of these kind of positive approaches, for want of a better term, is about thinking about the role that trauma has to play in pe- people's lives so we know that well homelessness itself can be traumatic but also a lot of people who experience homelessness have had lives that, with lots of trauma um, and so people who pe- so I think for well-being in, term, in that context is people feeling safe and empowered and knowing how they can kind of heal from that trauma and that they, they live in places that allow that to happen. What do you
0: think it is? So I agree. I think it's about that kind of grounding space that is safe and that safety both physically, psychologically, emotionally to achieve what you want to feel positive. Mm. Um, I think one way I had it described or had it described that I liked wear it's sort of a day-to-day feeling of being well of being able to feel positive mm. so it doesn't need to be attached to something huge but it's and it's not just that it's about the absence of bad feelings but the presence of something good or hope yeah um, I like that. but I think yeah, I don't think that captures it all, yeah. but off the top of my head, that's what um, I would go to. Yeah. I think, so you spoke about trauma, and I think you're right, this is just something that underpins so much of this work, and recognising those experiences of adversity um, and ha- and the impact that they have on people. And I've been lucky enough to hear you speak about trauma before. Um and how that's impacted your own practice. And I was wondering if you could speak a bit more about how trauma-informed approaches, approaches, but also these positive approaches and psychologically-informed approaches uh, have helped you in your own practice, mm. uh, in your own support work, but also, more broadly, the work you do at Homeless Link and in whatever context, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I think... Um... So I had worked, I worked in frontline services and outreach, mostly street outreach for kind of six or seven years and prior to that in other types of services um, and I'd had lots and lots of training um, and and was given kind of lots of support and, and knowledge in my role. But there was something quite significant missing and that was basically understanding what the people that I was working with might have been through and the impact of that on their lives. So I was really lucky before I started working at Homeslink to go on uh, an exchange program to America to learn about trauma-informed care um, and basically I had one day's training. I was there for two weeks and I saw how this organization that was hosting me was um, implementing trauma-informed practices in their kind of across their services Um, and I had one day's training on trauma and it absolutely changed the way I understood everything that I was doing Um, it made me well obviously it gave me information about trauma that I'd never been told before so I was taught how it impacted the brain, how it impacted people's um, feelings in relationships, and particularly how interpersonal trauma impacts people. Um, But it also kind of gave me a bit of a framework to think about my role and how I delivered my role um, and and what my service and, and other services could do to support people. And I think one of the big questions I had when I went there was, we're not clinically trained. We're not here to provide clinical services. So what is the impact if we if we do? Is there a blurring of the lines? Are we going to open that can of worms? That was something I heard a lot from people is we can't open a can of worms and don't want to do anything to make anything worse. It came, became really apparent to me that having knowledge and thinking about your work with that knowledge in mind is is better than not doing it and not knowing it, um, and working kind of within safe parameters. Um, this this stuff just enhances how you work. So for me, um, in as a as someone that was providing services to people on the street, um, it very quickly gave me a different framework to understand my clients, um, and made me think quite intentionally about how I was communicating with them and um, perhaps before where I might have been driven by my need or my services need to think about how I could support them away from the street I changed my approach and I talked to them more about what their goals were, how resilient they were, what they must have been through and and how they've coped and how those coping experiences might help them in the future it just changed the way I understood and worked Um, and then I started to kind of share that knowledge with other services as well so if I was making a referral for someone who had historically kind of been banned from a lot of services or you know really displayed quite challenging threatening behavior in services I was able to kind of shape my referral and work with the organizations that I was referring to to help them understand that that behavior as a symptom of trauma Um, and then come up with plans with them in advance of how they would respond react and manage it to enable those kind of transitions between services to happen more smoothly so yeah that's yeah it really changed everything for me and it made me think about um it made me think about what was possible in my role and the kind of the the feelings and the frustrations of needing to fix someone or see a problem, think the solution, and then it not work. Like those, that just all went. I just realised that I'm not here to fix someone. I haven't got all the answers. They have the answers, and I need
0: to work with them at their pace. And I think one of the things that trauma informed support frames is, well, it, it talk, thinks about what's happened to someone um, and how those experiences influence their work, or sorry, influence their communication, engagement, interests, you know, all of these different areas of their lives. I think the other thing that trauma-informed care can do is also, it kind of gives a different playing, gives a different level, which allows us to reflect on how, as workers, we may be affected by trauma as well. And that might be our own experiences of adversity. Uh, It might be lived experience of homelessness, but it also might be the experience of seeing people in such disadvantaged situations daily and how that can affect our processing yeah is there anything that you sort of found within the trauma work that you've done and how it impacts staff
1: yeah so I remember on this day's training um, that I had in the states that um I was introduced to the concept of vicarious trauma which I had never heard about before and I'm sure that it's something that people who are working in kind of psychology services and therapists and mental health workers probably are much more aware of that but, but it can impact everyone and like you say it's the kind of um the impact of the work on the workers and um So and I think that is a really big part of these positive approaches, particularly um, psychologically and trauma informed working is a recognition that we can't just focus on the well-being of the service users and the clients. We need to think about the people who are delivering services as well and make sure that they're really well supported. So I think that's everything we've kind of done since has been promoting that, and we've developed, you know, our offer around reflective practice and and trying to kind of help serve help organisations understand how and what they can do to support their staff. And I think it's much more common
0: and talked about now. Thanks, Joe. So before we close this podcast, I was wondering if you had any takeaway messages in relation to positive approaches and their importance
1: yeah um so i think my takeaway message for you if you're a frontline worker is to um try and get some training or do some reading and and watching our webinars and things so you really kind of get get your head around some of this stuff because i think i think anyone can apply it in practice and it can have such a significant impact in in how you feel about your role and how you deliver it and in those in in the way that in, in the impact on the people you're supporting and then i guess my kind of takeaway message for people who are kind of managing services or designing services um is to really think about how these approaches can be built into the structure and the systems in your service um and a shameless plug is that homers think we do have training and consultancy offers around this so if you are
0: interested in finding out more look at our website um, yeah And I'll also plug our communities of practice where you can connect with your peers and colleagues to think about how we can change the services um, and improve our, the offer we are making to people with experience of homelessness. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To keep up to date with the latest goings on at Homeless Link, please follow us on Twitter at homelesslink. If you're interested in training and development opportunities for yourself, your team or your organisation, get in touch by emailing homelesslink.org.uk. We have a range of courses that help staff and organisations develop the skills needed to tackle current issues and improve services.